This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi there, hockey fans. I'm Paul Bruno, and I'm joined by my co-host, A.J. Scholes, hosting Rotowire's Hockey Podcast Program. We're coming at you today with our fourth NHL preseason show, where we're prepared to give you a preview of the NHL-specific division. This is a 17 group that will grow to eight next season, and A.J., right off the hop, I want to get your opinion about the addition of that eighth team, the expansion club that we'll call Las Vegas, Nevada, its home. How do you feel about that? I think expanding is a great idea. Uh, in the sense that I don't necessarily think it's fair to have eight teams in two of the divisions and seven in the other two. Uh, so from that standpoint, I like the idea of uh, expansion. What I'm not certain is whether or not Las Vegas has the type of local support we need or they need to uh, house the team. Uh, there's no doubt there are plenty of visiting fans that will show up, um, but I don't think a team can survive on away ticket sales alone, uh, even in Sin City. Yeah, you know what? People talk about the fact, oh, it's one of the fastest growing cities in North America, and the population is over a million, maybe closing in on two. I'm not sure in the metropolitan area, AJ, you may know better than me. But I share your concern about the very transient nature of that of that fan base in general, because there's so many visitors that come in and out. For my part, as a fan of the Leafs, I'm already taking a look at the schedule next year and hoping that uh, a Leaf visit to Las Vegas coincides with my schedule. And maybe that's what a lot of people are going to be thinking about as well. But I want to point out to you, uh, this is going to bring the league to 31 teams. We know that there's a 32nd team that needs to come in. And I think that's when things are really going to take shape and take hold for the National Hockey League. And on the other side, too, they wanted to be first in to Las Vegas uh, because Las Vegas doesn't have, uh, didn't have an NF, uh, professional franchise among the four major sports until this announcement. But, but uh, let's take a look at, at that and say, you know, 
in terms of two Canadian cities that divide for this, I know Quebec was one and Hamilton was another one, Hamilton, Ontario, which is not far from Toronto at all. And both of them, they had a ticket sale drive to prove how viable their locales were. And, and those, uh, they, they filled 12,000 commitments within hours. Las Vegas took months to do that, AJ, and that's where I have a bit of a concern. And uh, I wonder if you have any insight on where you'd like to see that 30-second franchise and your rea- reaction to my comments in general. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Paul. It, it, it makes sense, um, you know, that hockey would be big in Canada. Nobody's going to be shocked by that. Um, and, and I think Quebec City is going to be the best option uh, for that 30-second team. You know, we have the Jets back. Uh, why not get back the Nordiques as well? Um, as I mentioned, hard to go wrong adding a team in Canada. You know, if they can siphon off enough support from Montreal, that's going to be the biggest question. I'm sure you have a little more insight on that than I do. And, you know, in general, though, speaking of resurrecting teams, uh, who wouldn't love to see the Hartford Whalers back in the league as well? <laughs> a shout out to a Hartford Whalers contingent. That's a great call. Uh, as far as Montreal's in, impact on the situation, or the impact on Montreal, rather, I think it'd be a very positive thing. They had a very great rivalry when Quebec was in the league the first time around after the demise of the WHA. They had some knockdown, tearmout battles in the playoffs, and, and there's a rabid fan base in Quebec City that will support that club and form a real natural rivalry there, and as well with uh, Ottawa and um, uh, Toronto and Buffalo. That'd be a heck of a division with five really good, close uh, proximity-type natural rivals. I can't wait for that to happen. It'll also require probably one team from the east that's currently there to shift over to the west, and that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But we have some business to, to attend to, AJ, in terms of a contest that we've run for the last few weeks, and I wanna I wanna give it up to you for to for pumping this out uh, in all manner of social media. We got some great feedback, and uh, we are in a position now to announce the winner of a free month of access to our premium content on RotoWire with the new name of our our po- uh, podcast going forward. Before we do that, uh, AJ, I'm going to hand it over to you and give you the honor of revealing the winning entry and the person who gets the prize. Yeah, our winner is going to be Michael Leitz uh, with the name of the show PuckCast. Uh, we're going to call it PuckCast with Statsman and AJ. Uh, so, yeah, congrats to Michael on, on winning that uh, one month of free access. We'll get you all taken care of, get that all set up for you as football season rolls along and uh, hockey season kicks off here as well. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, right on uh, this after the show, and I'm going to contact Michael. He's a contact of mine on social media, and I'm going to give him the good news. But, AJ, I'm going to count on you to help me get him set up, and hopefully he continues to spread the word about uh, Rotowire and the great work and the great premium content that exists over there. So it's time now to get on with the fourth of our preview shows, my friend, and we're going to get into this with a preview of the Pacific Division. We kick it off with the Anaheim Ducks, who finished first in this loop last year with a record of 46, 25, and 11, record before a stunning first-round exit in the, first round, in the playoffs. This playoff failure was the impetus that led to the firing of Bruce Boudreau and the return of Randy Carlisle, the only coach to win a cup in Anaheim. And uh, I, I see a familiar mix up front with a, a couple of small tweaks uh, uh, on the third line and maybe a bigger one on the first line. So we'll go through the forward lines here and I'll get, I'll get your impressions too. Uh, I see this lining up as follows with uh, young Nick Ritchie getting the premium assignment of playing alongside of Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry, two guys that will definitely finish in the top 20 scorers in the National Hockey League. 
You wonder what that can translate into Richie. If he performs, he could be a real breakout performer and get something up uh, upwards of 50 points uh, if he succeeds to the nth degree here. Now, in the second unit, we have Speedy Andrew Cogliano and Jacob Silverberg, who has a big bag of tricks in his offensive arsenal. They'll be flanking Ryan Kessler, who's almost a prototypical second-line center. This guy plays it well at both ends of the ice and is certainly a capable scorer. So I, I like the makeup of the top six here. The third line, they've brought in the likes of Ma- veterans Mason Raymond and Antoine Vermette, two guys that have been around the league a while, to fill in on that third line, giving it some oomph and, uh, and some real quality there. And they got a good plugger, Ryan Garbutt, who's a pretty responsible player on that in that third unit. So one of the deeper sets of three forward lines that I see around the NHL. Your thoughts on that assessment, AJ, and your opinions? Yeah, the the quality acquisition here is Vermette coming over from Arizona after uh, having his contract bought out um, over there. And I believe he can continue to be a 30-point-a-year guy. Uh, may not quite be the player he was back in 09-10, uh, but instantly adds some scoring ability to his third line. I love your assessment of Richie, infuses some youth and speed alongside Getzlaff and Perry. Um, And then also, uh, you know, you mentioned Silverberg as well. Uh, Shout out to our our fantasy players here. Uh, Silverberg's only missed one game the last two seasons. Uh, Could definitely reach that that 40-point mark or even approach that 50 mark. So some some quality guys there. Um, looking at the defense, uh, we got Kevin Bieksa, who dropped off a little last season. He is 35 years old, getting up there, uh, and he'll pair up with Hampus Lindholm, who is one of the handful of restricted free agents that still haven't signed that qualifying offer. Uh, he does seem prepared to carry this into the season, uh, but we do still have a little over a week here left for the two sides to hopefully work something out. And then after those guys, you got Sammy Vatnin, who'll pair up with Cam Fowler. And then Simone Dupre with Clayton Stoner. And this top pair would make me real nervous if I was a Ducks fan, uh, given the uncertainty surrounding what to expect them. You know, uh, how is, you know, Bieksa going to hold up? Is, is Lindholm going to be there? Um, I should mention Vatnin uh, got that four-year $19 million extension. Should be able to back up that contract, in my opinion, with about a 10 and 30 campaign. Uh, and his fantasy value gets a boost from inclusion on the power play. What are your thoughts defensively, Paul? Yeah, I think that's a key point that you make. We want to try and highlight the guys who are going to be the power play quarterbacks. Vatnin certainly lines up that way, and he could even reach the 50-point mark. This guy is a capable scorer, but a real good puck distributor. The key there is the signing of Hampus Lindholm they got to get that done and I I hear that they're getting close to the deal and it may also set off a bit of a domino effect in this roster there's been a lot of noise about Cam Fowler being in the trade winds and and you wonder if he's going to stick around if he does that gives him three great components that can move the puck a real luxury here but it is a luxury and and I wonder if they will pluck from that those ranks to to fill in some more depth of, among the offense uh, on the forward lines there so you got to keep an eye on Cam Fowler a guy who's a 40 point potential as well and and it also may make room for a fellow like a Shea Theodore who is an up-and-coming prospect who who they think is going to be a top four player in the mix eventually maybe sooner comes rather than later and he's a guy that can hit the 30 point mark and is capable of 10 goals back there as well so uh, a wealth of opportunity and riches and options in in Anaheim make them one of the top teams in this loop uh, again I think going forward and uh, another change that we'll look for is in net where we expect that uh, 
John Gibson is going to be able to carry a bigger load. He's going to be tasked to do that because he uh, saw Frederick Anderson, a guy that he split the role with last year. He's moved on to Toronto. And ironically, uh, to fill in the the backup role, uh, the Ducks found uh, a way to bring in Jonathan Bernier, uh, an embattled number one guy over his time in Toronto. He's going to get the backup role and uh, should be a capable fill-in if if Gibson runs into injury trouble. But I've seen enough of Bernier to know that he's not a viable number one option. they got to hope that Gibson can be that guy that plays upwards of 55 games, AJ. Strictly speaking, Paul, uh, from a goaltending standpoint, I don't love this move for Anaheim. Uh, I'm expecting a little bit of a regression from Gibson uh, now that they're asking him to play night in, night out. And I look for a goals against average closer to the 2.6 he posted in the uh, 14-15 season as opposed to the 2.07 he recorded last year. Um, but of course, no trade can be, you know, evaluated in a vacuum. Uh, it is important to th- consider that they did get uh, Sam Steele with that 30th overall pick this year that they got as part of that trade. Uh, the center put up 70 points in 72 contests in the WHL. So ultimately, I think it'll be a good move uh, long term. Uh, but from a goaltending standpoint, I, I'm not a big fan. Well, uh, we'll we'll put a loony on that one and see uh, against your Canadian dollar and see how that turns out. I I'm a big backer of uh, Gibson, and we'll see if all the the headlines that he earned in, in his junior career are worth it. And now he gets a chance to prove it, and that's all anybody really looks for is a chance to prove it. Let's go on to the next club, the Arizona Coyotes, who finished fourth with a 35, 39, and eight record and continue to add highly regarded prospects to what is arguably the best young stable of talent in the league as far as players not yet in the NHL is concerned. Uh, they're they're going to bring in a couple of guys who did get a cup of coffee in the, uh, in the league last year, but also a couple of others who who did play and did well in their rookie season. So their forward lines are going to look something like this, a good mix of young and old, in my opinion. Max Domi, one of the dynamic young players who, who has made a big splash uh, in, in his early days in the league, will be on the first line left wing. Centering that unit will be Martin Hansel, a six foot six guy who's more noted for good face-off work and, and good defensive acumen. Maybe that's a good thing because he, he'll insulate Domi and Anthony Duclair, who's going to be filling in the right slot on that line. These two wingers on this line, AJ, are very dynamic players and young guns who I think are, are on the just scratching the surface in terms of their abilities. I pencil them in each for about a 50-point season, but I'd love to see an upgrade in the, in the center position in that first line. Maybe it comes from the guy who's penciled in to start the second line, another young prospect, Dylan Strom, one of the highest-scoring junior players who's graduating to the big club this year, I think. He'll be flanked at the moment by their captain, the longest-serving captain in the National Hockey League, Shane Doan, who's already got a a goal, and he's shown well in in the exhibition schedule. Looks like there's a little bit of gas gas left in those older legs, and uh, there's going to need to be. They need somebody to insulate Strom and Tobias Reeder, another dynamic uh, Euro star who who has all kinds of speed and skill. This could be a very interesting unit with uh, the two youngsters and and the oldster there. And finally, on the third line, Christian Dvorak, who was one of the snipers uh, that propelled the London Knights machine to another uh, a world a Memorial Cup uh, victory rather last year. This guy is a dynamic scorer. You wonder how much he knows about the defensive side of the game. He's going to get a chance to hone those skills in a third line situation and really ease his transition to the National Hockey League. Partnered with uh, Grinders, Brad Richardson and Jamie McGinn. What do you think about this mix, AJ? I think it's an up-and-coming up group myself. 
there's definitely some young talent here, uh, but I feel like this team lacks any true identity, and I think they're going to be disappointing this season. Um, but I do think that's part of the plan. Uh, you mentioned Max Dome, who can reach that 50-point threshold again, and maybe Dylan Strom can you know, uh, meet expectations, but he is untested despite, as you mentioned, those fantastic numbers in the OHL, uh, highlighted by his 129-point campaign in 2014-15. Um, but, you know, Don is 39 years old. Reader is a defensive lapse just waiting to happen. He's a <laughs> minus 21 uh, last year. And Hansel, in my opinion, is just not a top line forward. Um, and I think he'd be better suited in a second line role. Uh, and then, you know, defensively, yeah, they've got Oliver Ekman Larson, who is an absolute fantasy stud, uh, averaging over five minutes a night on the power play, racked up 12 goals and 15 assists with the man advantage. And he'll be paired up with Connor Murphy. Um, below those two, you'll have Alex Goligoski with Zabinik, uh, Michalik, and then Michael Stone and Luke Shin is that last pairing. And personally, I think they drastically overpaid for Goligoski. Um, a five-year deal for a 31-year-old blue liner. Average cap hit there of $5.5 million. Um, but when you're trying to stay above the cap floor rather than avoid the cap ceiling, you can afford bad deals like that. Um, you know, another difficult season maybe coming up for them. But as I mentioned, part of the plan, I think, uh, to get some more low draft picks and keep stockpiling youth talent, it's it's a team to watch for. But, uh, re, you know, right now I just don't see it. Um, Paul, what do you see on the, the defensive side of the puck? Uh, well, on that blue line, you've got to give it up to Oliver ekman Larson. You can pen this guy in as one of the top five scorers among defensemen. He'll be up, up there in goal scoring as well. And if that's a key point in your pool, that's a real uh, guy to, to pluck early because he's going to be up there around the 20-goal plateau year in, year out, it seems. I'm interested to see how Goligoski fits in here. It's a bit of a luxury for a team to, to grab a guy who has this guy's offensive upside as well. He's a guy who is capable of getting to that 40-point mark. There's not a lot of teams in the league that will have two defensive that score at that level and they did pay to get him in fact they paid up uh, to even get a couple of other draft picks with taking on a couple of contracts for players that won't even play for them so it'll be interesting to see how that works out but they've become a team that's been willing to spend money uh, to acquire resources and I think that's a bit of a departure and a real good message to their fan base that they're they want to be thinking uh, that they're here to stay and, and a viable franchise and a, and a really neat destination. I have relatives in Arizona, a pretty cool place to visit. And uh, I, I think the players here uh, are, are in a good situation because the ownership has, has reached out and said, you know what, we're here to spend some money now. And good sign for them. Uh, I'm intrigued also by the fact that I see some some potential in the likes of Stone and Murphy. Both guys have some defensive upside. You can look for that second pairing to be guys that approach the 30-point plateau. Again, you won't find a quartet that scores with this group. Uh, I think it's a real key that they deliver offensively, but it's also going to be remains to be seen how good they are going to be on the defensive side of the responsibilities. In goal, we see we expect the return of Mike Smith, who's coming back from an injury-plagued campaign last year. He uh, was a big minute eater and a guy who you could count on to play 60 minutes a game and face a lot of rubber. He, he survived a lot of attacks uh, of, with high shot totals for a couple of years in, in this role. He gets a better team in front of him, and hopefully if he sticks around, uh, he, he can get a better win percentage this season. If he doesn't and he falters, Louis Dominguez is back up. He performed very admirably when he was uh, thrust into the role as the starting goalie and as a guy who is viewed as a capable backup. Now they know what they have back there. So uh, some positive signs in the nets, I think. 
I'm going to disagree, Paul. Even when he was healthy, uh, Smith has recorded a goals against average below 2.5 just twice in his 10 NHL seasons. And Domingue hasn't performed much better. Uh, Went 15, 18, and 5 last year in relief. Um, In my opinion, on a team with some serious talent gaps, uh, goaltending is ultimately what's going to bury this squad at the bottom of the standings another loony on the line it looks like i'm i'm expecting better things from them than you i think i can't wait to get to the bottom when we talk about our standings uh looks like we already have some uh, food for for thought for debate and so on and, and for rivalry all the season and that's great for the show <laughs> <laughs> up next we have the calgary flames who finished fifth with a record of 35 40 and 7 uh, I kind of like what they're building here. In this offseason, they added more high-end prospects and made a big improvement in goal. There's a growing number of dynamic pieces here all of a sudden. I'm just a little concerned about the two tiers. They have some, an older group and they have a very young group, and there's a gulf in between them. Uh, this group is not growing in a grow old together, and it's going to be interesting to see if they can strike quickly or infill when they need to, but uh, some big names all over the place and some big potential all over the place here, particularly on the offense. Uh, I'm looking at forward lines that shape up as follows. Of course, we got Johnny Gaudreau, who is on the verge of inking a long-term deal there. This guy's one of the flashiest players. He's proven that there's room for the little man in hockey and a guy who can be who, who can be expected to be a point-of-game player in this environment. He formed a remarkable relationship, a productive relationship with Sean Monaghan on the ice. These guys are going to be the centerpieces of a power play. That should be one of the better ones in the league, given the quality of, of the people that they can put out there on the forward lines and to quarterback this group. Uh, they, they will be joined by winger Troy Brower, who's been one of the luckiest guys in his career, AJ. This guy, when he was with Washington, he was on a first line with, with some of their best players. And when he was with Chicago, he was in the fr- first line with the, some of their best players. But he's not one of the best players on any roster that he's been with. He's just one of those solid guys, solid citizens, who has de- some defensive responsibility and some touch. So there's a message out there for kids. If they can play a two-way game, you can really find yourself in a good situation. And I like this one for Brower. He could be a guy that that reaches the 20 goal plateau with these guys on the second line there's some skill in the middle they've brought sam bennett along slowly and you wonder in his third year as a pro if he's ready to take that big step like a lot of people have done beforehand he's a guy who could be an explosive scorer and and really uh propel this unit to to great heights he'll be flanked by wingers with a bit of a lower profile and michael furland and alex chase on these guys you can't expect them to score more than 15 goals apiece i don't think so uh, the focus will be on Bennett and what he can provide and then the third line it drops off a little bit more when they're more interested in in protecting and defending the likes of Brendan Bolig Michael Backlund has some offensive upside in this group and Michael Froelich maybe they're going to count on the Euro stars in that line to to provide some secondary scoring but I don't expect big things there so that's my slant on the offense I might also highlight they've got a couple of young prospects and Matthew Tuchuk another London Knights star who may get a taste of it and and he's a great scoring prospect as well or another guy hunter shankarik uh, these are two young guys that that could f- get a shot in that third line and maybe eventually play top six minutes yeah there's some good news for this group paul uh monahan returned uh, to practice just recently uh, actually yesterday he ditched the non-contact jersey as he recovers from that back injury may be able to get into tomorrow's uh, preseason game that's still up in the air. Um, But with him playing alongside Johnny Hockey, 
I expect him to record his third consecutive 60-point season, and he could even push for 70. Um, I, you mentioned to Chuck, I think they need to get him on the ice as soon as possible. Uh, he's a fantastic talent, racked up a phenomenal 107 points with the Knights last season, um, and I could honestly see him slotting into Furland's spot on the second line. Um, yeah, I think that's a good call. Absolutely, yeah. Defensively, uh, you know, you got Mark Giordano with TJ Brody, and then Dennis Weidman with Dougie Hamilton and uh, Yuri Yokopaka uh, with Derek England. And this is somewhat of an unheralded group, uh, but some definite offensive talent here. Uh, Hamilton, Brody, and Giordano uh, could each tally about 10 goals and 30 helpers this year. Uh, the question marks start to creep in a little bit with veterans Weidman and England, who may have lost a step as they approach their mid-30s. I'm not sure what your assessment of this group is, Paul. I think you nail it there. This is a, this is a quartet, uh, including Weidman, that, that was really a luxury for this team, and it continues to be when they still have three of them who project over 40 points. And we've already highlighted that the Coyotes have a chance to do that. There's not too many teams that can match the offensive firepower from this blue line. Brody, to me, is the underrated guy of the group. Uh, he, he's going to be the partner with Giordano getting that top power play point minutes that's going to juice his totals he may even outscore uh, his, his team captain and at 26 years old has uh, a longer term remaining in the National Hockey League so if you're in a keeper league Brody's a great guy to target in that regard he could get over 50, 50 points uh, this season if he stays healthy he's that good a player uh, if I look at a guy who might not be the best of the three and that's Dougie Hamilton despite all the accolades he gets it seems to me that that uh, we We've seen his ceiling already, and, and I wonder, in a second-pairing unit, if his point totals might be dampened a little bit, and he'll be a, a third in, in this defensive scoring race. Uh, the guy who's dropped off the most, of course, is Weidman. He is 33 years old heading, heading into this campaign, and I expect his totals to, to slide a little bit, too, as, as the other guys get more ice time, and uh, I think we've seen that Weidman may have lost a bit of a step uh, in his overall play. Uh, they'll be supporting a new look goaltending tandem with the addition of Brian Elliott, who at 31 years old has one year left on a contract with a $2.5 million cap hit. The, the Flames brought this guy in because they need a top goalie, and they're looking at, at Elliott to see if he can shed the image that he had with the time that he was in uh, in uh, St. Louis as a, sharing that role with Allen. He's going to get a chance to be a guy who gets 55 to 60 games, and and that'll really tell the tale in Calgary to see if this guy does his part this team could go a long way but uh, a lot of pressure on him he'll be backed up by Chad Johnson who's been a career backup he played in Buffalo last year he's more of a filler don't expect a lot from him his goals against will be at least a quarter of a puck higher than it would be for Elliott in my estimation here yeah I think Elliott will be able to settle into that starter role a little bit here Uh, you know he had Jake Allen kind of looming over his shoulder in St. Louis and Chad Johnson is a solid relief netminder, but there's no way he's going to challenge Elliott for playtime. Um, I do have some concerns about the price for the 31-year-old, um, especially if they can't convince him to re-sign. Then he kind of becomes just a pricey one-year rental. Yeah, that's a key point. I, I love that. Uh, and, and really, it's a heck of an audition opportunity for Elliott. And if he delivers, uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how, the, how far this team can go because they do have a lot of talent. I'm just concerned that they seem to have a group, as I said, over 30 and then around the low 20s. There's a real gap in there, and I think there's going to be some infill required. 
Our fourth team today, the Edmonton Oilers, who finished last in this group with a 33-41-8 record, made a few significant changes, but we all know that their hopes ride primarily with the high upside of last year's top draft pick, Connor McDavid, a guy that you and I am sure can agree on, will finish in the top 10 scorers this year, AJ. This guy's a generational talent. He's come a long way from Newmarket, Ontario, and uh, I think there must be a tremendous battle behind the scenes to see who wants to get that first-line role as a winger on his unit. But one of the guys who's almost guaranteed is Milan Lucic. He signed a huge deal in the offseason as one of the top free agents available. And the draw was for him that he pretty much was seeking a guarantee that he could play with McDavid. And that's going to juice his scoring totals. I think this guy's a lock for uh, a career season as long as he hangs around with McDavid. And uh, his other winger, Jordan Eberle, a guy who I think has one of the highest hockey IQs in in the game. And uh, I look for this to be one of the more dynamic groups in in, uh, forward lines. Milan Lucic with his size and and the fear that he engenders out there on the ice is going to give these other two guys a lot of room to do what they do best. And that's Dangle with the great offensive skills that McDavid and Eberle possess. I'm looking forward to seeing what this guy, this group does. I'm intrigued by the acquisition of Patrick Maroon here as a second line guy. This guy's had a lot of first line experience and top six experience in a couple of other stops around the NHL. So as a good fit. And, and a potential 20-goal shooter in this setup, 20 goals, 40 points I see for him, paired with two youngsters, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, one of the few uh, predecessors to McDavid who made the jump directly to the top six and has had some success in that role. There's been a couple other guys who fall off to third-line minutes, we'll get to in a sec, who really are getting, uh, did not flourish. But uh, Edmonton's going to continue doing what they do. They drafted Jesse Pugliarvi, third overall, or fourth overall, I should say, and he's going to go directly into the top six, just like a couple other guys have gone before him. Everybody that they pick in the first round seems to get top six minutes right off the hop, so he's going to get that shot. This is three big bodies on that second line. It's going to be a dynamic unit with some great potential upside. The key to me is how well they do on the defensive side of the puck. Uh, That could go a long way to determining the Oilers' fortunes, in fact. The third liners that I teased were Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Niall Yakupov, two guys have absolutely flopped for the most part in their careers. I guess more Yakupov than Hopkins, to be truthful. And Benoit Pouliot's going to be the experienced winger, winger that uh, fills in that third line. Some interesting mixes here. Uh, what's your assessment of this group, AJ? I love the draft strategy for this team. Uh, <laughs> I think it's been just fantastic. Um, easy to do when you have top picks. That, yeah. that does obviously help. Um, you know, you mentioned McDavid. Everly, uh, Pugliarvi. And then, you know, I do like the picks of Nugent Hopkins and Yakupov. They certainly haven't lived up to first round talent, but you know, they've been productive players in my opinion. And I really think they haven't made any mistakes thus far when it comes to finding forward talent through the draft. Um, for me, the one confusing move for this team is the signing of Lucic. Um, I know I'm probably in the minority here, but I think they overpaid on that seven year, $42 million contract. And they're going to regret that deal uh, when they have to start trying to re-sign some of their young talent. And I I don't question his ability to produce. It is just the cost of doing business. But I have some serious concerns about that long term. Uh, On the defensive side of the ice, you know, you got Adam Larson comes over in the trade for Taylor Hall. He'll pair up alongside Oscar Clefboom. And then you got Andre Sakara and Darnell Nurse. Uh, Finally, that last group looks like it'll be Jordan Osterley and Brandon Davidson. And... In my opinion, for everything they've done right with their forwards, uh, the defensive pairings leave something to be desired. 
Uh, Larson is a solid defender, but his offensive talents are limited. And the rest of their defenders are a young but untested group. And, you know, Sakara becomes the lone veteran after Andrew Ferenza uh, failed his physical coming back from surgery. So it, I have some serious concerns on the on the defensive side that I don't on the, the offensive side of the puck. Yeah, your concerns are legit, AJ, in my opinion. I don't think they have the big guy that is capable of 40 points or plus to pow- truly power play, uh, be the power play quarterback here. Uh, that's something that's sadly lacking. They certainly hope that one, of Clef- one or both of Clefbaum or Nurse graduates to that level uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can make that move certainly both of them have some of that offensive upside darnell nurse may have the more complete game potentially of the two so they're looking for the future to see if those guys can deliver the key here is adam larson they made a deal uh, sending taylor hall the other way of all people i thought taylor hall was one of the best players in edmonton one of their signature players and uh, that shows you just how desperate they were to get a quality guy on the blue line they think they have that in larson i just don't see him being that 40 point guy i think he's more of a 25 to 30 and uh, but he will solidify the back end they hope and so that's the trade-off there it's too bad that ference is unhealthy because i was looking at him to be a real stabilizing influence on the on the blue line they need somebody back there to bring that stability otherwise i see this as a bit of a weakness and we'll see this as a more of a run and gun type unit that sacrifices a lot of attention to defense just like they have in the past and the guys that are going to pay the biggest price are the two goalies in in the mix here that's uh, they've got cam talbot who they committed long term to plucking him out of the rangers where he was a backup, he delivered off uh, off of a pretty good campaign last season, where he totaled a two uh, two fifty five goals against average in fifty six appearances. That's pretty good numbers in this mix, and he'll be asked to at least duplicate that to keep this team in contention. The guy that's going to back him up is Jonas Gustafsson, who's bounced around the league as a as a backup, and uh, he's had some health issues. So I'm a little bit concerned about this goalie mix from that standpoint. But it's in good hands, I think, in terms of the number one role here. AJ, how do you feel about it? I feel a little differently there, Paul. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've said this almost every week uh, on some team, but this is another team that could be looking for help between the pipes at the trade deadline. You know, Talbot's numbers aren't terrible. Um, you know, he went 21, 27, and 5. Uh, that included three shutouts last year. But they're not the type of numbers you're looking for when you're trying to build a Stanley Cup contender. And Gustafsson hasn't been a starting netminder since his days playing for your Maple Leafs. Um, So definitely some concerns there. Well, AJ, you and I have talked hockey and we're getting ready ready for the hockey season. But our sponsors at FanDuel would like us to remind our listeners that the NFL season is now in motion. Fantasy football fans have all the victory every Sunday. FanDuel, fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week. No busted seasons for anybody. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. New this year, an upgraded experience. Get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement and more money. Play for a dollar, choices for every budget. Now, in terms of our own experiences with FanDuel, I'm a FanDuel devotee. I used to be a season-long guy, but FanDuel's changed it for me, AJ. And uh, I'm really keen on the NFL, too. We reached the quarter pole of the season, 
And some of last year's club top clubs are in trouble already. That's kind of an intriguing thing when I consider Indianapolis, Carolina, and Arizona are all one and three. These were all expected to be powers again this year. Which of the three do you think can bounce back and and get back into contention here? I think Carolina's going to be the leader in that category. Uh, when you've got Cam Newton, it's it's hard to rule you out. Uh, you know, Arizona maybe could get back in it too, um, but they, you know, their offensive. Uh, you know, talents are starting to get up there a little bit. Uh, so yeah, of the three, I got to go Carolina. And uh, I would t- tend to concur there. I think, you know, you can't discount the Super Bowl finalists. Uh, Arizona, to me, uh, I'm not sold on their quarterback situation. Carson Palmer's a bit too iffy. And Indianapolis, I'm shocked that uh, that this offense has sputtered, but maybe there's uh, under uh, there's more to it than meets the eye i i think that i agree with your assessment carolina should be the, the one of the three the other two guys may have blown it already and uh, a couple other questions for you aj new england appears to have survived the brady suspension with a limited effort by gronk as well they're three and one despite the, the fact that missed out on two of their signature players uh, are you surprised by that and uh, what does it mean for the rest of their season I'm definitely surprised there. You know, I thought at best maybe two and two out of them. Um, looking forward, just a heads up to Browns fans out there. You're going to have angry Tom Brady back, and I expect him to put on an absolute clinic this weekend. And that's not a knock on Cleveland's defense. I don't think it matters what team he was coming back against. Uh, he's going to put up some points. And I will definitely be locking them into my FanDuel lineup this week. Yeah, here's an easy one for me, too. If you want to bet on this game, take the over. New England might reach it all by themselves. Uh, the Cowboys, my Cowboys are 3-1. and one. I'm stunned. Uh, rookie, a quarterback, rookie, at running back. In fact, they're running back, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, leading the league in, in rushing yards to date. I'm surprised at the 3-1 and one, one record. The big question that looms now, if Tony Romo comes back and he's healthy, who's the quarterback? Yeah, that's going to be hanging over them uh, the next couple of weeks. And, you know, I you can't take the, the youngster out. I just don't think uh, Prescott has been performing so well that, you know, yes, Tony Romo is your, your kind of face of the franchise, has been for a couple of years. But how do you not go with a hot hand here? That's uh, that question remains to be seen. There's always some intrigue in Jerry's world. And uh, with this start, it's uh, it's legit, I think. And finally, their neighbors in the in the uh, NFC East, Carson Wentz, uh, was a guy I was really hoping would land in Dallas, and he's really shown others why I felt this way. He's three and zero in Philadelphia. Uh, another rookie quarterback having an outstanding start. It's the year of the rookie quarterback in the NFC East. Can Philly sustain this? I think so. Um, you know, they they've gonna they're gonna have some tough competition up ahead. You know, and it's it is definitely surprising. Wentz was you know targeted for a backup role all year. wasn't supposed to see the field at all. But you know, they trade away Sam Bradford, and he's you know thrust into into action and has really held up. So you know, I expect to see a little bit more of the same. Um, you know, they have some some tests coming up, but I, I think Philly is definitely a playoff team. Well, this is just some of the intrigue that we've seen in the early part of the season. We remind our friends uh, that FanDuel invites people to play in the Rotowire Championship by going to fanduel.com slash rotowire hyphen championship. Have all the fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. 
There's a special offer for new users, too. They get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. All right, AJ, let's get back to the hockey talk here. The next team in our profiles is the Los Angeles Kings, who were second in this group with a 48-28-6 and six record before the Sharks. Took them out in a in a great first round in the playoffs last year. A great first round matchup. Despite all their success, this team boasts only one forward over the age of 31, so it remains a familiar cast that lines up like this. They are going to have an opening on that first line left wing, and they're giving uh, former captain Dustin Brown a chance to fill it. And uh, he'll be joined by the likes of Anze Kopitar and Tyler Toffoli. Marion Gabrick's out of the lineup here in the early going, and you wonder if he, he eventually will get that role. But in the meantime, Brown is getting an early chance. Kopitar, for my money, one of the best players in the game at both ends of the ice. Toffoli, one of the rising stars he's made. He made the jump last season, and I just think the sky's the limit for this kid, and uh, he's going to be one of the top right wingers in the game for a long time. On the second line, they have a, a really good center, uh, who Jeff Carter, who is a, a lock for 30 goals every year, it seems. And I see this as no, this year is no different. He gets a lot of power play time, as I noted, as well as the top six minutes here. He's going to get a vet, new veteran on the wing, Teddy Purcell, very good uh, playmaking winger, one of the best in the league, in fact, and he's underrated in that regard. And uh, on the left side, Tanner Pearson, a guy who's formed a good partnership with Carter, Carter over the years and is a threat for 20 goals every season. So there's some depth uh, for your fantasy pools in season long here, the, some good options. And then they are going to be followed up by a good checking trio, Dwight King, Nick Shore, and Trevor Lewis. These guys, you're not going to expect anything more than 50 goals from any of them, but more protection on the defensive side of the puck and maybe the tough checking assignment against the other team's top forward lines, the way I see it anyway. JJ, over to you. Yeah, you mentioned the left wing spot on the top line. I actually like Tanner Pearson for that spot, although Brown uh, could have the inside track if Pearson picks up a suspension uh, with his uh, pending meeting with the player safety department. You know, Pearson put up 15 goals and 21 helpers in his first real full season in the league uh, while averaging 14 minutes per night. I expect him to continue to prove. And if he can lock up that top uh, top line spot, don't be surprised to see him pushing 50 points. Uh, At the end of the day, though, though, this team's fortunes center on Kopitar and Carter continuing to perform at the same level that powered them to a pair of Stanley Cups. In the defensive uh, end of the rink, you got Jake Muzzin, who will pair up with Drew Doughty, the 2015-16 Norris Trophy winner, and they make up one of the top defensive pairings in the league. Uh, last year, they combined for 91 points, including 37 with the man advantage. You know, After those guys, a little bit of a drop-off with Braden McNabb and Alec Martinez, and then Zach Trotman and Tom Gilbert. And it's that bottom pair that concerns me the most. Uh, Gilbert comes in after missing nearly half the year with a knee injury, and Trotman, you know, logged just 38 games with the Bruins last year. And ultimately, I expect that the average minutes for those two is going to pale in comparison to what the top four guys see on a nightly basis. Yeah, I think that's a good call there. Drew Doughty finally got his due as the Norris Trophy winner. This guy is one of the best players in hockey, bar none, and, and uh, going to be a lock for 50 points, maybe even 60 
threatening the top scorers at the defensive position, but he's really maybe the best in terms of the defensive zone as well. So quite a package there in that one player. The lucky guy that gets to play him again, with him again is longtime partner Jake Muzzin. I got to give a nod to this guy because he's a, a family relative on my wife's side, one of two, in fact, in this division that we'll cover today. So Muzzin and Doughty, really good pairing, and, and that's going to juice Muzzin's totals if he continues to hold on to that role. This is a guy who has a very good shot. He will get some power play minutes alongside Doughty and is a threat for 40 points as well and uh, McNabb and Martinez both these guys can really fire the puck and make a good uh, pairing on a second power play unit it's rare that you see teams commit to using defensemen on the points in, in both units but this is one team that can afford to do so with the quality of shooters that they have back there McNabb and Martinez are not going to be 50 point guys but they can, should each get close to that 10 goal mark and that might be a bonus for for fantasy pool players you mentioned that third pairing trotman and gilbert they're they're here just because they're experienced hands and i know you highlighted the fact that trotman didn't play a lot of minutes for boston but he does have some experience in this league gilbert is in the same boat Uh, he has some good offensive upside these guys are here because they're quality veterans at least that's that's what the kings are hoping for in goal they have another quality veteran one of the elite players in the league in at that position jonathan quick who posted a 222 goals against average and logging 40 wins those are numbers that should attract any fantasy player to to a, a guy who i figure should be a top five easily maybe top 10 for sure in terms of the win category again he'll be backed by Zat- jeff zadkoff a guy whom you know a little bit more about he's been a backup for your team in uh, pittsburgh uh, since he got in the league so he knows how to be a backup on an elite team and is a quality fill-in should anything happen to quick uh, keeps him out of the lineup for an extended period of time yeah outside of the penguins this has to be one of my favorite goalie pairs in the league uh, as you mentioned zadkoff knows what it takes to be a stoic backup fill the role that's required of him. Um, and he slots in behind one of the best net miners in the world and Jonathan quick. Uh, as you mentioned, he had 40 wins last year. Uh, he did struggle in the playoffs against the, sh- the sharks. Uh, they put in 15 goals on him in just five games. Uh, but fantasy owners out there, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. And, uh, you know, definitely look, give him a good hard look, uh, early in your drafts. Uh, the sixth team in our outlook is, uh, just in uh, across the state in San Jose, not far from Los Angeles. Uh, I don't know how many hours of driving that is, but it'd be worth the trip to see these guys play a home and so- home series. I think from time to time, it's the San Jose Sharks who finished third in this division with a forty-six, thirty, and six record before losing in the Stanley Cup Final. They finally made it to the promised land. They didn't get away with the Holy Grail, but for long-suffering fans of the Sharks, this was a, a great ride in the postseason. This squad made only one significant addition up front in the offseason, but otherwise we'll have a very familiar mix of forwards as follows. Uh, I like Thomas Hurdle on the front line here. Uh, he's a guy who's teased with his offensive skills, and, and at a very tender age, he's going to give it a primo opportunity. He's only 22 years old. I think with, partnered with Joe Thornton and Joe Pavelski, he is one of my candidates for a top breakout campaign. I'm penciling this guy in for 30 plus goals and 60 plus points aj in this mix uh, i think thornton and pavelski proved in the world cup that there's still lots of life in them uh, they were each two of the signature players on their respective clubs and i expect that to continue season long these are our pros pros and and hurdle is going to be the beneficiary there on that front line the key addition in a second unit michael bodker comes in and he gets a chance to partner with a real quality center of in his own right logan couture who's i guess anointed as the the future leader of this club 
So that just speaks to the opportunity that Bodker has. I think he's capable of 20-plus goals and maybe 40, 40 to 50 points in this mix. And Junas Donskoy, an underrated guy on the other wing, who is also a guy that you can pencil in for nearly 50 points. So that's pretty good depth on the top six forwards. A guy who's got the arrow pointing down a little bit is Patrick Marlowe. He's in the waning stages of a career that's seen him drop off a little bit but he's going to be moved into the middle of the ice he was a winger most of his career but is a natural center going back to the earliest days of his career he'll get a chance to reprise that role centering a, a real good veteran the guy who'll play a, a little bit of power play time Joel Ward this is a guy who is still capable of 20 goals and he might move up into the second line should Dunskoy falter, by the way. And then on the wing to complete that uh, group of nine is Melker Carlson, a young talent who they think of quite a bit a lot of. And, and, and this guy is a guy who is being brought along slowly. I don't expect big points from him this year, but if you've got a stash opportunity, might be a guy that you keep in reserve for maybe next year. I think he's a year away from dominating this year. I, I just see him gaining experience on the defensive side of the puck, maybe capable of 30 to 40 points. Yeah, Paul, you'll get no argument from me here. Uh, this team is poised to make another run at the Stanley Cup uh, on the back of the bearded wonder, Joe Thornton. Um, and as you mentioned, don't sleep on Jonas Donskoy. Uh, in his rookie campaign, uh, the 24-year-old put up 36 points, including eight on the power play. You know, kind of rare that they uh, turn that uh, that power play role over to you know a rookie. And if he can avoid the sophomore slump, I think he'll see an uptick in both ice time and scoring. Uh, speaking of great beards on defense, you've got Brent Burns, and he's paired up with the uh, the clean shaven Paul Martin for that top pairing. And then you got uh, Mark Edward Vlasic with Justin Braun, and finally Brendan Dillon with David Schlemko. And Burns was just seven points away from averaging a point per game, has now played in all 82 games in each of the last two years. And you combine that with his contributions on the power play, seven goals and 23 helpers, uh, fantasy owners would be hard-pressed to find a more consistent, more durable option for their lineups. And while Paul Martin won't put up the same type of numbers, he is a pure shutdown defender, and he'll be tasked with going up against the best of the best that their opponents have to offer each and every night. Yeah, Burns was an absolute fantasy stud last year. He was a key for me to run away and hide on the pack in the Rotowire Staff League, and so I have to th- thank him. Maybe I'll send him a, c- a card at Christmas to thank him for <laughs> a nice win there. But a guy that you can pencil in, he'll be 1-2 with Eric Carlson as the top-scoring defenseman in hockey, and he'll lead the league in goal scoring from the point. He's a guy who can maybe even threaten the third goal mark again that's just how good he is and how key he is to the offense one of the league leaders in shots on goal and uh, a guy that protects him is a guy like Paul Martin who who did have some high scoring years in in Pittsburgh as you know and other stops in his career but he's taken second fiddle to Burns and doing it gladly they form a very good pairing a guy who made the big jump last year is Mark Edward Vlasic who had a career high 39 points last season and and he'll be asked to do the same thing this year to to build on that possibly and and it'll that's where the 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 key aspect of this team begins and ends for me it's going to be the productivity of this team at the offensive end from the blue line the rest of these guys are just shut down defenders so it's this trio to carry the load back there they'll be protecting a, a goalie split that looks like Martin Jones finally gets a chance to be the number one guy last year 2.27 goals against average over 65 games played he showed he could handle that typical number one load and was almost a, a team MVP because of it. Nobody really expected him to deliver that way. And when he did, it propelled them a long way. Uh, the backup situation here is a little bit murky. They got Troy Grosnick, who got a look 
And then last in the offseason, Matias Armalas. This guy's a male model, the AJ, and maybe maybe <laughs> that's the renown that, that will go down on his hockey card. But he he has a neat chance to play on a top team if he can beat out Grosnick for the second role. And it'll be interesting to see the battle there, how it ensues. Because if anything should happen to Jones, one of these guys moves into the mix. Yeah, Jones is was an absolute machine last year, uh, as you mentioned, playing in sixty five contests, coming away with thirty seven wins. Uh, while registering a .918 save percentage. My concern here for me as well as the backup role, uh, based on their, their recent moves, Grossnick got sent down to the minors. Looks like Aaron Dell might actually be their backup. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, if Jones stays healthy, the 27-year-old isn't going to be asked to do much. Um, but if they do need him to take over for an extended period of time due to injury, uh, there's going to be blood in the water in San Jose. <laughs> Well, that's a great call, too. Our final team profile this week is the Vancouver Canucks, who were sixth in this loop with a 31-38-13 and 13 record last season. I haven't said this for any club in, in, in our forecast, but we had to come to the 30th team. It's not a stretch to expect this to be a long and difficult campaign for the Canucks. This team with the oldest group of team leaders found a way to get older in the offseason, if you can believe it. <laughs> I don't like what they're doing here at all. Their forward cast will have the following pieces. Uh, Daniel and Hedrick Sedin, again, first liners. They've got two more years with a $7 million cap hit here, and I don't think the fortunes change until these numbers come off the books. They added to this mix, if you can believe it, by putting in another Swede, Louis Erickson, at uh, the paltry sum of $6 million a year for the next five seasons. That's a real. That's the head-scratcher of all free agent signings for me. They did a, the Sedins a favor by bringing a countryman here, but I think they dis, did a disservice to the club because they didn't address the fact that they need they have rebuilding needs here, and uh, I don't get it. Uh, you can certainly say that they're going to have some fun offensively. Sedin and the Sedins are a lock to get 70 points in a, if they stay healthy. Uh, Erickson could get about 55 uh, to 60 as well. That's good numbers, but like I said, they're not doing the team a uh, uh, good service by going this route and pending their hopes on 37-year-old 30, leaders and a 31-year-old free agent. Nonetheless, they're backed up by by really where the hope lies for this team in the future. The future is just not now. The likes of Bren, uh, Sven Barchi, Brandon Sutter, Yannick Hansen fill out a second line. Sutter, to me, is one of those quality two-way second line centers who uh, all teams crave. Uh, he, he's a guy that will be the team leader here eventually, I think. He's capable of 20 goals, 50 points, in my estimation, in this mix. But better days are ahead for him with a bigger and expanded role. The third line sees Alex Burrows, who used to be a fixture on the first line with the Sedins. He'll be working with another young guy at center. This is uh, the dynamic duo at center of the future is Sutter and Horvat. Bo Horvat is a guy who I really like here. He's going to be in a third-line role. And Jake Vertanen, a recent high draft pick, again, who is who is a hope for the future. So it's a real chasm between the oldsters and the new guys here that really defines this team, and I just don't feel good about this mix. AJ, what about you? You're absolutely right, Paul. The clock is ticking for the Sandines uh, to capitalize on their talents and you know lead the Canucks to the promised land. But unfortunately, I'm not sure the players around them are going to be able to pick up enough slack um, other than the guys you mentioned, this team has a, a group of guys that, in my opinion, would be better suited for roles below where they're being asked to play. Yeah. I think anywhere else, uh, Barchi would be down on the third line. Burroughs would be on the fourth line. And I think Marcus Granlin would honestly be a healthy scratch on most, most other teams. Um, Brandon Sutter, I, I watched him in Pittsburgh. 
is a phenomenal talent, uh, does have some health concerns here and there. Um, but you know, there, there is some, some silver lining to this group, but I agree. I think it's going to be a tough year. Uh, defensively, you got Alex Edler and, and Chris Tanev followed by Ben Hutton and Eric Gudbranson. Finally, Luca uh, Sabisa and Brian Miller uh, to start the season as the primary netminder. Vancouver fans will continue to wait to see if he can be the player they saw in Buffalo, uh, but he'll definitely be on a short leash. Uh, any early season struggles and coach Willie Desjardins will likely and probably should replace him with a 26-year-old Markstrom. You know, whether or not Markstrom is the long-term answer remains to be seen, but I agree. I think it's time for them to hand over the reins and figure out if they have their goalie of the future. Well, uh, that brings us through the 30th of our team outlooks, and uh, we are now at a point where we can share our final thoughts on on the regular season standings here in this division, the Pacific. My predictor order of finish, AJ, is as follows. I'm going to take the LA Kings first, holding off the San Jose Sharks and the Ducks. It's going to be a three-team race again with the California clubs. I'm giving Arizona a chance to make the playoffs even this year, finishing fourth in this division. They will hold off the Edmonton Oilers, who I also think are going to have an uptick in their uh, record at the end of this season. Uh, the teams that are going south, I think, in this division are the Calgary Flames, and I, I think it's no surprise, based on the listeners of our show, that I'm picking Vancouver last, and they may threaten for that uh, 30th spot in the NHL standings at the end of the season. Your thoughts, AJ? Yeah, I'm with you on San Jose, Los Angeles. I'm going to flip them a little bit. Uh, go number one, San Jose. The Sharks are just a top top team. Uh, Los Angeles to follow. And then I've got Edmonton taking that third uh, playoff spot with uh, Anaheim just behind them, possibly picking up that wild card. Uh, and then Calgary followed by Vancouver. And our, our big difference here, Paul, I'm putting Arizona in the bottom. I just don't think they're uh, set to be you know, a top, top team. Well, I had to do this. I've got a lot of relatives in Arizona. They want me to give them a shout out, and and that's my way of doing so. I think this is serious, Lee, an up and up and coming up and coming team. I think they have a ton of talent in their their pipeline, and we're going to start to see it at the NHL level. I don't think in a couple of years there'll be any doubt this is a playoff caliber team. I just think they're going to be really close this season. And that takes us to the signature parts of our the ending of our show, AJ, where I've always done this in any hockey podcast that I've ever done for Rotowire. I include the talk of the stud of the week. We've done a stud in each of the divisions and a, and a rant of the week particular to each of the divisions. To me, the stud of the week in this division is Anze Kopitar of the Kings, captain of Team Europe. He's up there with Jonathan Taves, last week's stud candidate. He was one of the leaders who galvanized the underrated Team Europe in the recent World Cup and has established himself as the rarest breed of NHL player, a top-scoring forward who is among the most responsible defensive players in the game. He's a, he's a threat to get a point per game in a good season as well as threatened for the Selkie Award as the best defensive forward. That's just how good this guy is at both ends of the ice. He's led the Kings to a pair of cups in the salary cap era, no mean feat, and in my mind, simply one of the best players in today's NHL. Your thoughts on him? Yeah, fantastic player. Uh, over the course of his career, has uh, averaged 0.89 points per game. Uh, not to mention, as as you said, picked up the Lady Bing and the Self Selkie trophies last year. Uh, just 29 years old, so plenty of time to get back on top and snag that third Stanley Cup. And uh, as far as the rant goes, I'm going to hand that uh, dubious distinction to one Brian Burke, the GM over there in Calgary. 
This guy's a big splash artist, AJ. He brought the Sedins to Vancouver. They have no cups, and, and now they have cap issues to show for that. He's consistently avoided the tried-and-true method of systematically building a team through the draft, opting for the big-name trade or a free agent signing. That just doesn't fly, and with one exception where the table was pretty much set in Anaheim, he's floundered in that regard. In Toronto, he was an absolute disaster, bringing in the likes of Dion Phaneuf and Phil Kessel while dealing away top draft picks, leaving the Leafs with cap issues that they only recently have dodged and uh, he's still like I said still dining out on that lone cup of win in in Anaheim but now he's overseeing a very odd mix that I talked about in the Calgary roster with one aging group offset by a talented young core they like him will leave Flames fans yearning for more despite high expectations that he always generates and I don't think that's a good thing to build it up and then not deliver and uh, your thoughts on Brian Burke him bringing Kessel to Toronto makes him my favorite GM in the league. Um, <laughs> we were able to get him into Pittsburgh, uh, better fit for him there. Um, but no, uh, I'm generally a draft and develop guy. You look at the last three cup winners, Chicago, Los Angeles, Pitt, Pittsburgh, all have built from the bottom up in order to find young, inexperienced talent that can help win a championship and then become trade value in future seasons in order to retool rather than rebuild. Well, that brings us to the end of our 30 previews. We're a week away from the start of the NHL season. We'll have another podcast up just on the eve of the start of opening night, AJ. So we'll look forward to that, and we'll look forward also to the fact we have a new name for the show. Thanks to Michael Leitz and all the people that put up their suggestions. But we're going to go with podcast with Statsman and AJ, and I'm looking forward to the growth of this podcast and, and the NHL season. Very excited. And AJ, how do you feel about all that? Yeah, looking forward to both the season. Um, I'll throw a quick plug in there. I'm also uh, going to be kicking off my third year coaching high school hockey here in Sun Prairie. Um, so yeah, hockey season is just about to be in full swing for me. And I have to give a nod to your mom who came up with one of the better names too that we didn't wind up using. So thank you to your mom. Give her a big hug for me and uh, tell, tell her thanks for listening, AJ. And uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. Remember to follow AJ Schultz at AJ24. And you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And we ask you to look out for our hockey pod every week so that you get all the latest news and tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests. So long, everybody. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR. R-A-Z-O-R.